Theory. Finally, a podcast about the church for the church. Sit back and relax because you're now entering the reformed mental state. Hosted by the Chicano Knox. Coming from that gangster gospel perspective. Coming straight out of Geneva. All right, thank you so much for joining Bible Theory once again. Uh, this is your boy, the Chicano Knox, uh, coming live and direct from the Underground Reform Studios. And, you know, this is the church series. You know, this podcast is about the church for the church. Yeah, the called out ones, the doctrine of the church, the ecclesia, to get a little fancy with you. Um, and, you know, today I have, a, you know, a privilege to interview uh, Jonathan Lehman. Um, who is one of my favorite people to go to when it went on the subject of the church uh, from nine marks. Mr. Lehman, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, uh, you know, to join us here on the Bible Theory uh, to talk about uh, marks of of an unhealthy church. Can you introduce yourself to people who may not be familiar with you? Yeah, sure. Thank you, Jesse. And call me Jonathan, not Mr. (laughs) (laughs) Lehman. Right, right. uh, I work for Nine Marks full time. Nine Marks is a ministry that helps pastors build healthy churches. Um, I write and edit and speak and teach through my my job there. I teach at a number of seminaries as well as part of my work, mostly on ecclesiology, sometimes political things, but mostly ecclesiology. Um, I'm married to Shannon. We have four beautiful, wonderful daughters. I am a elder at Chevrolet Baptist Church in Chevrolet, Maryland, which is suburban Maryland from Washington, D.C., and uh, I'm presently in sabbatical. And uh, I like to talk and write about the church a whole lot. Awesome. And, and that's what we do here in this podcast where, uh, you know, where we talk about the church. Um, I think the church is so under talked to about these days. Um, I know there's a couple of ministries, like you said, Nine Marks talk about the church a lot. Um, and I really appreciate um, Mr. Um, you know, Mark Dever, um, Pastor's passion about um, the church, um, your passion about the church. So, you know, this is what we're passionate about here on this podcast is um, all things church related doctrine, stuff like that in the church, uh, specifically Ecclesia. So, you know, people, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of my listeners have already read that book uh, from Pastor Dever from um, the Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. If you have not read it, hashtag where you've been. Go ahead and read it, <laughs> pick it up. It's one of those fundamentals that I think is essential. Yeah, first and foremost, you have to say it's a church that is either doesn't teach the gospel, which is to say it's not a church, uh, or is just very weak and unclear or watered down on the gospel. You know, you think of, say, of a prosperity gospel church. Right. They, they might, in some sense, formally affirm the gospel, you know, we're all sinners under God's wrath, though he created us for good. He sent to God sent his son to live the life that we should have lived, die the death that we should die, as a penalty to pay the penalty as a substitute for all those who repent and believe and rose again, conquering sin and death for our justification. So, you know, a prosperity church, for instance, might affirm those basic gospel truths on their statement of faith on their website. Yeah, man, they don't really seem to emphasize it much. It's not at the center of their gatherings. It doesn't really show up in the sermons too much. It's it's just sort of a punch card, and that, that that's it, not much more. 
And uh, I, I mean, so there's a number of things we could talk about, about what makes for an unhealthy church. But let me just start right there. A church that is weak on the gospel, unclear on the gospel, or takes the gospel for granted. I'm, I'm taking it for granted. Uh, that's something that's not really talked about much these days, I guess. You know, we live in a culture where everybody kind of assumes the gospel. Um, mm -hmm. How how can you take it for granted? What are some of those markers, maybe potential indications that would say, maybe I'm taking it for granted? What are some of those um, indications? Well, in, in the church itself, in the church gathering itself, uh, you know the church is taking it for granted if you think to yourself, hey, if I bring my non-Christian friend to church with me, do I have any assurance that the, the, the music and the praying and the preaching isn't going to say what's necessary to be saved. It's, it's not by any means clear that the gospel is going to be preached. Now, I'm not saying the gospel is good only for salvation. The gospel is also necessary for growth in the faith, right? So right. Is, is the preacher, is the preaching and the teaching of this church taking me back to the gospel again and again? Is it taking me to the foot of the cross and reminding who I am as a sinner in need of a savior, uh, need of grace, living here not by my own merit, not proving, hey, look how righteous and moral I am. But every week I'm being reminded, yep, Jonathan, you sinned again. But hey, good news. You know, though you, <laughs> though you, you, you sought to justify yourself once again all week, God's grace is enough. The blood of Christ covers even that. Um, you are saved. You are forgiven. He's raised you up. He's seated you in the heavenlies. So every week, my life and growth are being grounded in and centered on the gospel, both for the unbeliever and then for the believer as well. So if that's not the message you're hearing in your church on a week-to-week -week basis, if instead, friend, anybody listening, what you hear is like, do better, be better, uh, you know, what is, uh, are you at the center of God's will for your life? Are you being the man you should be? Well, th those are good lessons. You need to ask those lessons. But those lessons need to be built on the gospel, built on what Christ has done, not just what I do. So in the Christian, so some of this, Jesse, is all about your understanding of, of justification and sanctification, right? You, uh, in a healthy church, there's going to be a right relationship between those two things, understanding that God's work creates my work, and my work in turn displays God's work. Uh, but I grow in my work, my obedience, by continually looking back to God's work and what God has done in Christ. And uh, an unhealthy church is not going to be clear about those two things. We're justified by faith alone, but the faith which justifies is never alone. And you, you got to right. hold on to both sides of that. An unhealthy church will either be an easy believism, it's got justification by faith alone, or it's a little loose on that, and it's moralism. The faith which justifies right. is never alone. It's all about our obedience. No, we need both. And we need both, frankly, every week. What about churches as the, that are preaching uh, a gospel, and then, you know, the conclusion would be, um, all you need is Jesus. You don't need to do anything else. You're set to go. Um, and then, you know, that might leave the congregant uh, maybe a little confused on the matter, saying, hey, the preacher said, I'm good to go. I have my, uh, you know, gospel passport now, and I, I'm good to go, you know, and all I need is Jesus, and there's nothing else. Yeah, that's that's what I referred to a moment ago as a, as a, a kind of easy believism, 
right? Jesus is Savior, but there's not so much emphasis on Jesus as Lord. There's an emphasis on just believe, but there's not an emphasis on repent and believe, right? Repent, right, turn right. away from your sins and right. believe. Uh, there, there's an emphasis on, hey, Jesus will take you as you are, but not an emphasis on, but he doesn't leave you as you are. And uh, what that leads to is a kind of nominalism. A lot of people who think they're saved, but actually aren't, right? So a, a church right. has assured them that they're going to heaven, when in fact it looks like many of them are going to hell, because they've never truly been called in the evangelism. Okay, you asked about marks of an unhealthy church. Here, here's, here's another couple of marks. There's not a strong understanding of conversion, and there's not a strong understanding of evangelism. Now, mm. the conversion means repent and believe, uh, and evangelism asks people to count the cost, right? Hey, look, you know, following Jesus is worth it, right, taking right. up your cross and following him. So if, if, if your church just makes a quick, wants to lower the bar, wants to lower the standards from where the Bible puts them, and it's just, hey, all you got to do is pray this prayer. All you got to do is believe. All you got to do is trust. But trust, belief in the Bible also means, again, turning my life around and beginning to follow this guy. And this guy who mm -hmm. says, sell everything, follow me. You know, Lord, what must we do to inherit eternal life? You know, the rich young ruler asked Jesus, and Jesus says, sell everything and follow me. You know, are, are you ready to sell everything and follow Jesus? So if your church doesn't ask people to count the cost, well, it, it's, it's going to lead to a kind of cheap uh, kind of evangelism, but they were just made on a, a, an incomplete understanding of what they were really being called to. It makes uh, perfect sense because when you have churches, I guess the churches I've come from are the reform circles, right? The, the conservative circles, um, a high understanding and, you know, a high octane of doctrine and a low octane of evangelism so it's like no one is evangelizing you know what i mean you look around you see the same people you never see a new guy maybe yeah. occasionally you see one one guy you know one dude come around maybe once every five months and, and i know that's got to be like really really discouraging for the pastor you know he, he has his mdiv he has his he has everything right you know from so-and-so seminary it's got to be heartbreaking for that pastor and those elders for for that situation to be in that situation because uh, I've yeah. seen it, but yeah. um, I don't know. I guess I guess the word is dead or orthodoxy, chosen, frozen. A lot of the you know criticisms that the reformed people get is you know from what I hear. How can we shake loose from those stereotypes if those pastors are out there listening, which I I know some of them and there probably are. How can you encourage them to shake it up a little bit at, at their local church to get out of that stereotype? Yeah, I mean, I think I think churches need to do. First of all, it's not all the pastor's responsibility. I mean, finally, the the, the responsibility falls on the church, right? So if, if you're sitting at a church and you're saying to yourself, "Okay, pastor, what you're going to do now? How are you going to grow this thing?" Well, no, it's it's not just his. He's got his job, but you've got your job. So you need to get out and share the gospel. You have work to do. You've been called to make disciples. So I don't I don't want by any stretch to put it all on the pastor because it's the church that's called to do that. Now, pastors are called to be leaders in the church. They're called to set an example for the church. So uh, I've found over the years that churches in which the pastors are not evangelizing, the churches tend not to evangelize. Churches where 
The pastor is not discipling and being generous. The churches tend not to be discipling and be generous in all sorts of ways. You know, where the pastor is showing hospitality, not showing hospitality, the church less likely is in showing hospitality. So there is a sense in which, and I don't want to, especially I don't want to put this on just one man. I want to put it on a plurality of elders. Um, okay, so yeah, you got you got a frozen chosen church. Well, should the pastor get out there and share the gospel? Number one. Number two, talk about it. Uh, you know. In, in your praying and in your prayer services and sharing, you know, say, hey, friends, I was able to share the gospel this week with a, with my server at Subway, the person behind the counter at Subway. We're the only one, two ones in there. And, uh, you know, it was nine o'clock at night. The person wasn't busy. I struck up a conversation with them. So pray, pray, pray for, you know, Jimmy, the Subway, the, you know, and they hear and see you doing that. Also, you're taking people with you in advance. So just today at lunch, I was with a, a, a good friend of mine who's a pastor. Pastor Garrett, you know, Garrett asked our server how we could pray, pray for her. And uh, so when I'm, when I'm with pastors and I see that kind of, they're just always looking to make connections with non-believers around them, both ones they know and ones they don't know. Another pastor friend of mine regularly goes to the same restaurant, knows all the servers there, is trying to build a relationship with those servers, right? Another pastor friend of mine, he's on the, he coaches this kid's soccer team in part so that uh, he can make connections with other parents. Uh, so we, we, I think the elders are, to some measure, responsible Freddie, for setting the example, cultivating that kind of culture, and then getting the church and their gatherings together to pray about it, talk about it, give testimonies to it. Uh, when you're doing baptisms, a great thing to do is have people share their testimony, uh, especially when they involve evangelism, and especially evangelism by members of that church. It just encourages everybody to be out there and sharing the gospel. And um, it's hard, I mean, especially in a culture that increasingly pushes against, fr frankly, I think it was easier to share the gospel in some ways in the 80s, at least in the circles that I live in versus say today. Uh, I find it easier, frankly, to share the gospel in a Muslim country than I do in, in the United States right now because of the nature of the opposition, at least in the, mm. again, the kind of circles I travel in. and. Uh, but that is no excuse. We still need to be sharing the gospel and working to share the gospel. So, you know, if you're a pastor and you're listening, if you're, you know, a Christian church member listening, be praying about this. Pray the Lord would give us and our churches more opportunities to share the gospel. Yeah, the opportunities I feel like are definitely there um, from what I've seen. Um, I just think I, it might just be burnout. I don't know. Um, maybe just discouragement. Um, I don't know what what it is. Maybe maybe you're right. It's just the culture being too resistant. So maybe maybe some of them some of them are are afraid. Maybe. And then and then when you look at the spectrum, you look at the opposite side where all they do is evangelism. And I guess it's the easy believism again, where all you do is evangelism, but there's no discipling, there's no doctrine. There's, yeah. It's it's yeah. very low octane. You know what I mean? You, you know what I mean? It's to the. Mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's not to the, you know, X to the 20th power. It's like X to the smallest power, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So I guess, well, there's a balance there, right? You know, there's evangelism and then there's discipleship. You know what I mean? Um, there's discipling and then there's evangelism, mm -hmm. um, I guess. So um, I guess for, for churches, people who are just walking into a church and they hear and they say, they say something like this. I like my church because, man, the worship music is really good. Like, I'm only there for the worship. You know what I mean? That worship music is really good. The worship team, they got it going on. 
And then what would you say to that person? And then what would you say to the other person who says, man, I'm going to my church and all they do is sing hymns and it's pretty boring. Yeah. What, what would you say? Uh, well, I mean, I, so the first person I say, hey, that, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoy the worship. Uh, how, how's the, how's the preaching and teaching? And to the second person, I would say, oh, I'm sorry to hear you. The, the, the music doesn't connect with you. How's the preaching and teaching? In other words, what's what's most valuable at a church? Well, what's what's valuable about a church is our prayerful and musical response to God. But even more important about a church is whether or not we get to hear from God. And we hear from God when uh, a man opens, stands up in front of us, whether in a Sunday school class or a sermon, opens God's book and teaches or preaches out of it. And it's in that teaching and preaching that we are actually changed. We hear from God and we're changed. Faith comes through hearing. And we're built up in the faith towards maturity through hearing. The most powerful force in the universe is, hands down, God speaking, right? From creation to Ezekiel in the valley of the dry bones, to the word becoming flesh and making us dwelling among us, to, again, Paul, Romans 10, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And faith coming through a hearing, and, and Peter, 1 Peter 1, 24 or 5, you were born again through the living, enduring word of God. So the most, most powerful force in the universe is God speaking, which he does through his preachers and teachers. So to both of those individuals, I want to say, okay, How's the preaching and teaching? Are you fed? Are you built up? Are you encouraged? Are you convicted? Are you taught to lament your sin and mourn your sin? Are you taught to rely and put your hope in heaven and Christ's coming victory and vindication? Right. I, I think, so back to your original, original question, Jesse, what's the sign of an unhealthy church? Well, it's one that doesn't preach and teach the Bible cover to cover clearly. Um, and that's 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 in the, in the, that's the first thing I want them to look to is this Bible preaching is this church preaching teaching the Bible with the gospel at the very heart of it. Yeah, I would say amen to that. And I have covered that um, the, the centrality of the scriptures in another episode, but it does come down to the preaching and teaching of the word uh, faithfully from the pulpit. Um, and I guess people would say, well, I, I'm going to I'm going to a church where well, okay, maybe I shouldn't, you know, like the music too much, but like pay attention to the word. And I guess my pastor is doing a good job, um, you know. Um, but, you know, when, when you listen to it, it's like, well, he really didn't really break it down. All he did was pull out a couple of things and made a, you know, a big sensation out of it. But there was no teaching. There was no, there was no meat and potatoes. I guess it was just, you know, from a theological point of view, it was, I don't know. I think it was just a bag of chips, maybe, maybe a bag of chips. Um, I don't know, like a, like a kindergarten lunch. Cause I, I guess yeah. if you look at certain teachers, some are gifted more than others. I get that. And I guess if you had an option to go to red lobster versus, uh, I don't know, like a happy meal at McDonald's, which one would uh -huh. you rather choose? Which one would you rather choose? Like I would personally say, take me to red lobster all day. I don't want happy yeah, meals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I want food, you know, give me those buddy rolls, butter rolls. But you know, sometimes when you listen to certain pastors, they're not preaching expository. You know, they're not preaching, you know, the whole word. They're not 
taking out the shovel and making you dig and opening your mind as Joe Beaky saying, you know, they're not like preaching, you know, connecting your mind to your heart and from your mind to back to, I mean, your heart back to your mind, practically uh-huh. all that stuff. Um, so what would you say to like a, a person like that, you know, give them a couple t- tips to say, Hey, this is how, you know, your pastor may not be like giving you the full meat and potatoes. How would you know about that? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, number one, is he teaching from the Old and New Testament? Number two, is he teaching through different genres of scripture? Uh, number three, how, how are the sermons organized? Are they organized by topic? Or are they opera, opera, or is he just kind of moving sequentially through books of the Bible? In other words, is the last, was the last sermon series on how to have a healthy, you know, healthy marriage, and this sermon series was how to live as an exile, and the next sermon series is, um, you know, discovering your calling in life or something like that, in which in all of those sermons, he's got a Bible verse to back it up. But uh, as you just said, Jesse, much of the sermon is kind of more his stories and his experiences and, you know, that really encouraging thing God taught him back when he was in college, you know, that sort of thing. Or is it just like, okay, this week we're going to talk about Mark chapter 1 and what God has to teach us in Mark chapter 1. Next week we're going to talk about Mark chapter 2 and all those things in Mark chapter 2. Next week, Mark chapter 3. So I was an interim pastor at a a church at one point, and the church had never gone through, sequentially through, books of the Bible like that. They'd always gone through topical series. And uh, I said, elders like, hey, will you do... uh, Will you do a purpose-driven life and teach us through that when I got there? And I said, no, I'm just going to preach the book of Mark. And they're like, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> not interesting at all. It's just right. basic. That's like saying breathing is interesting. Wow. Well, I hope it's not. Anyway, right. so I started through, preach, preaching through, through Mark's gospel. And uh, little by little, the congregation's appetite and expectations for Sunday began to change. So I, I remember, for instance, uh, finishing up preaching Mark chapter 9, and I got to Mark chapter 10. And uh, if you look at your, probably if you look at most Bibles, at least your ESV Bible, you'll see a little subheading above Mark chapter 10 that you know the ESV editors put there that says, Jesus teaches on divorce. Well, in, in the week leading up to that week, in which I was going to preach Mark chapter 10, uh, the elders told me, oh my gosh, everybody is really anticipating Sunday. They're like, I'm like, I said, well, well why? So, well, because they know you're going to teach on divorce. I'm like, right, what's, what's the big deal about that? And they're like, well, nobody's ever taught on divorce here. I said, nobody's ever taught on divorce in this church? I'm like, no. I mean, you just you never cover that when you're doing topical preaching. And uh, so the church had finished reading chapter 9 with me preaching it. And they looked at the rest of, you know, looked at chapter 10's Jesus teaching on divorce. And they thought, oh, my goodness, what does that mean? That means they showed up anticipating the preacher to preach from Mark chapter 10. They showed up expecting God to say something about divorce that nobody really had talked to them about before. And so sure enough, that Sunday, I, I preached Mark chapter 10, and what Jesus says on divorce. And 
And the response was what you'd expect. Some people are saying, yes, that's really clear. Other people are saying, wow, I'm not sure I can go with that. I'm not sure I belong in this church. I got one letter from a lady saying, if that's what you think, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a part of this church anymore. It's like, well, I, I don't think that's what I think. I think that's what God thinks. He says it right here. Christians don't get divorced. Right. And um, with a couple of qualifications that you get in Matthew and, and first Corinthians, but the point is, they were listening. Their hearts were being shaped by God's word, not by Jonathan's wisdom. Jonathan's wisdom does not give life to the dead. Jonathan's wisdom does not give seeing to the blind or hearing to the deaf. Right? It, it does not raise the dead. God's wisdom does. That's what they need. They need God's wisdom, not my, not your preacher's wisdom. So, friend, if, if you're in a church where where... He is relying, again, more on his charisma, his comedy, his intellect, his powers of persuasion, rather than relying on God's word and the power of God's word. You, you don't want to be in that church. You want to find a church where they take the Bible seriously. Amen. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that, that leads to um, a, a lot of different scenarios. Um, I guess the worst case scenario would be, you know, people, you know, pastors and preachers will be up there and, and they'll be like, um, well, the Lord gave me a vision last night or the Lord told me last night or I just got a word from the Lord right now. Um, and then they start going off um, talking about Daniel or, or, you know, a book on the Bible or something. And it's like, well, um, that's very, you know, there's a lot to say against that. Right. There's a lot to say to that. Um, well, officially, what is there to say against a person saying, I was slain in the spirit <laughs> and I have a vision of the Lord or, or maybe a pastor is bringing up a lady and saying, hey, this lady has a vision of the Lord and she wants to share it. What would be the proper response to those things? Well, I think some of this depends on whether or not you believe the gifts of prophecy continue with uh, whether you're not, whether or not you are what's called a cessationist, meaning you think the gifts of prophecies and tongues and healings have ceased, a cessationist, or you're a continuationist, you think some of those special gifts, especially the word gifts, continue. And different churches are going to be either cessationist or continuationist. Um, uh, I've, you know, I've, I've spent my Christian life and and ministry in not formally cessationist churches, but, um, you know, a, a category is called open but cautious. Like, we're not convinced the gifts have continued, but we're pretty cautious about them. Yeah, if, if somebody comes up to me and says, you know, Jonathan, God told me that X, I'd, I'd, I'd reply that that's great. Just if, if you expect me to do something about it, tell him to tell me too. You know, so <laughs> I'm not going to let your word from the Lord bind me, and I'm not going to let it bind the church, right? Unless you, you get him to tell all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, what I do know binds me and binds the whole church is what God has already said and is saying in his Bible, right? So there are many right, false right. teachers and false prophets out there, and I have no assurance that your word from the Lord is a word from the Lord. The Bible, I know, is a word from the Lord. And so that's what I'm going to rely on, and that's what I'm going to give a platform to in, in the church. Right, because it goes back, you know, when you look at events in history, like Martin Luther, when he said, I'm captivated by the, by the scriptures, 
right? Yeah, and then right. he says, based on the scriptures, my conscience is captivated by those things in the scriptures. So unless otherwise compelled anything else from the Bible, then I, I'm not going to change my mind, you know, and I'm paraphrasing. And then he says, well, here I am. God help me, right? Um, he didn't yeah. say, well, the Lord gave me these books and, you know, the Lord gave me, spoke to me and, you know. Um, so that, I think that's a really powerful example of where, where Luther was standing on the foundations of the scriptures, the testimonies of the word rather than, you know, on his own wisdom or his own power and authority. Yeah, um, yeah that's exactly right. So um, word for, um, I guess, any encouraging messages um, that you would have for these pastors out here, um, any last words for them, maybe um, pointers? Um, you know, any blind spots maybe that pastors should be aware of, of maybe if they're leading an unhealthy church? Yeah, well, I think, I think the, the, the most important thing is whether or not you put your trust in the Bible to uh, build and grow your church, or are you putting your trust in something else? Uh, I should tell a very a brief story uh, of another church where I was the interim pastor. This is a different one than the Mark Sermon Series Church. And in, fa- in fact, it, it was, it was a... Uh, an interim pastor and I did right after the one where I was preaching the series of Mark. And things had gone so well at that first interim pastor that, and a lot of people were encouraging and said encouraging things to me about my preaching, that when I went to this second church, uh, they were expecting good preaching from me. And I was sort of expecting good preaching from myself. And I felt a certain burden to live up to my reputation as a good preacher. And so every week I was going, okay, how, how do I make this sermon really good, right? And that, as you can guess, became very much a temptation, a temptation to fear man rather than fear God, please people rather than God. And so little by little, my focus changed from relying on the power of the word to relying on my own cleverness and relying on my own ability to preach a good sermon that fed the people. And that caused, frankly, my, my preaching to change. And uh, that was eventually noticed. And that second church was actually thinking about hiring me full-time as, a, you know, as the full-time pastor. They're just using the interim as a test, as it were. And they got to the end of it, and the brothers said to me, John, you're preaching things out of the Bible, but it, it feels like every week you're, you're kind of 30 to 40 degrees off the main point of the text. And we just don't think that's the kind of ministry that's going to build the church here. So no, we're not going to consider you for the full-time pastorate. And that was that was uh, both embarrassing to me at the time, but it was also super encouraging. And the Lord used that lesson in my life remarkably to teach Jonathan, it is not your wisdom. Just preach the point of the text. It's God's wisdom that the people need. God's words, not your word. And that, that trial of... Of, of losing a job, of uh, that, the humility that the Lord taught in that, in that time helped to burn these lessons into my mind. So my, my lesson for any pastor listening is, brother, it is not your wisdom. It is not your cleverness. It is not your humor. It is not your ability to bring a new angle. It's not your finding just the perfect illustration, just the perfect story. No, it's the power of God's word. It's the Holy Spirit. He's smarter than you and I are, right? So right. rely on God's word to build God's church. And it'd be so simple, amen? Amen? Amen. It'd be so simple. 
Well, uh, Jonathan, thank you for your time. Um, I'm sure the people listening were like tremendously encouraged and blessed about, um, you know, talking about the church and some of the things that make that makes it unhealthy. Um, I know what makes an unhealthy church that Jesus don't like is a lukewarm church. I know in Revelation, he said he just bombs that out. Um, but there's a lot to it. There's a lot to it. This conversation is, is, is juicy and, and it goes deeper than this. Um, so any resources that you would like to point people to um, and any new projects you're coming out with? And then lastly, can you tell people where to find you as well to follow you on Twitter and stuff like that? Yeah, the best book on preaching, I'd point the uh, just short and sweet book on preaching is by David Helms, H-E-L-M-S, called Expositional Preaching. So good and helpful and clear. So you read that. I wrote a little book called Word Center Church, which, first of all, tells that little story I just told you, but also talks about how God's word is, or God's church is built on his word and what that means both in the preaching and teaching, but what that also means in the singing and the praying and the discipling and the evangelizing, the word reverberating around the life of the church, creating a, a culture of discipling and gospel sharing and, and word saturation. So take a look at that, a word centered church by me. In general, I, you know, if, if I could just point you to the resources of Nine Marks, you'll learn about them at ninemarks.org, number nine, marks, M-A-R-K-S, dot org, where you'll find a host of books and articles and journals and so forth that uh, we, we encourage people to read and, and get hold of. Um, and, and mostly, we're just trying to point people back to the Bible. So f forget forget Nine Marks, forget any of those books I mentioned, just read your Bible, right? If, if we're saying something that's not in the Bible, then it's not worth that much. Because again, it's God's word that gives life, not the wisdom of Dine Marks or any, any other author. Amen. All right. Um, well, Jonathan, thank you so much. Uh, once again, um, if you have not subscribed to Bible Theory, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. But yo, like a bad check, I got to bounce. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much. I would love to have you in a future time to talk about some other topic that's necessary. Um, but any, anyways, thank you so much, brother. Have a good day. All right. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Bible Theory. Don't forget to share this with your homies and subscribe to Bible Theory on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, and follow on Twitter at The Chicano Knox.